Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Crispy Cast. I'm your co-host, Christopher Bernard, here with my friendly neighborhood. Other co-host, Jody Cameron. And today's episode is on Kang the Conqueror, also known as a, a Pharaoh Friar Tut. Rama. Uh, yeah, Rama. Ramata. Rub and tug. <laughs> Rub and tug tut. Also known as the conglomerate of congenial, consolidated councils of Kang. Yeah, and the... Was he the Crimson Avenger? No. The Crimson Century. And Centurion. Centurion. And Iron Lad? Iron Lad. He's a lot of stuff. He's like too many things. Kang is probably the most ridiculously crazy outlandish of supervillain slash nothingness that Marvel has created. And it's also a particular type of character that I both loathe and love. Mostly loathe. Not a fan of time travel. Yeah. Because in my opinion, there should be no way that he could lose if you can manipulate time. He's Nathaniel Richards, so he actually is a Fantastic Four offspring. Uh, yet he dons an Iron Man persona in his youth, and then he decides to time travel and take over everything. <laughs> so maybe that's the most important part about Kang, is that as a character and like a plot device, he's been utilized in so many different ways because of his time travel ability that I feel like the writing makes it difficult to approach his origin, powers, and impact on stories because there's so many interwoven things that they've attempted to do with him. For convenience, he seems to appear, uh, and for excitement, he seems to appear, right? Like, he's a great, he's a great character, and he, he's so powerful that, you know, hey, maybe, you're, maybe your plot line's getting a little uh, dull. You want to spice it up, throw in some Kang? For me, as more, a more casual comic reader and observer, he's very difficult to pin down and very difficult to understand. His origin's been redone a couple of times, but his initial ties, as you say, are to Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four. The way I understood it is that if his origin as Kang is really as Nathaniel Richards, that he's either an ancestor or the, the offspring of Reed Richards, depending on the timeline. I can't remember if he's the offspring of Reed Richards or the, um, like, offspring's offspring. Oh, yeah, like he would be a generationally ahead. In fact... The idea is that he exists in portions of the timeline where he has access to incredibly advanced technologies. He's just a man, but he has created for himself uh, an incredible, like, weaponized suit that can travel through time, for instance. He might be the most intelligent supervillain. And then there's ties to Doctor Doom. There was a whole plot line where he could possibly be Doctor Doom. <laughs> yeah. right? he, he and Doctor Doom meet each other and they're not totally convinced that they're not the same guy. That's an interesting thing where there's some sort of crossover between, you know, the Fantastic Four and their major villain in the form of one character. It does become very convoluted and confusing. Well, they tried to reimagine it in Kang's new origin where Kang is in his youth. I think he's around like 17 or 18. It's in at the end of time. He says he, he in his timeline, he exists in a realm that's like a cage where time doesn't seem to go forward or backward. A timeless place. Yeah. A timeless place. And he decides that he wants out. He wants to know more because like growth has stopped. Right. Do you suppose, is that the Kang that they refer to as he who remains or maybe not? Um, is it Kang Prime? See, here's where it gets into some really interesting stuff because anyone who's, who's watched a film like Everything Everywhere All at Once 
or is familiar with quantum probability or the multiverses idea, uh, every time Kang makes a leap, uh, he creates a new rift and a new multiverse and a new version of himself. So there is a, there's a whole council of Kangs. There are many, many Kangs created by all of his hijinks. And there's supposed to be a Kang Prime or an Alpha Kang. I guess he would be Kang Prime because he would have been, he's supposedly supposed to be the first, like the, the head, the, the first Kang. And in this redefined origin, he defines a a castle that exists just at the edge of this no man's land, sure. no time boundary. And it's an old Doctor Doom castle That's that right. holds the history uh, of the human race. So there's another Doctor Doom tie-in. It's kind of like the restaurant at the end of the universe. And it's, he sees this giant Doctor Doom um, mechanical whatever, and he thinks it's just a statue. It opened fires on him, and he's saved by none other than Kang the Conqueror in its in his final form. Yes, yeah, kind of like the meanest Kang. And he decides, basically, he, he goes, I want to learn about history. He goes, a fool learns from the book because the book is told by the victors of history. So he's like, I will show you everything and basically let you grow into the perfect Kang. And they go through this whole time. They go right to the, they start at the beginning. They go right to the dinosaurs, like whatever million BC or whatever. And, and uh, the dinosaurs... There shouldn't be any human population yet. Right. But they find a small tribe, and this Nathaniel Richards, not yet Kang, uh, kills a dinosaur and accidentally saves a woman who he falls in love with. And Kang immediately goes, what, what, are, what are you doing? You were only supposed to, you were supposed to come back. He goes, well, I, I met this girl. I'm in love. And he smacks him. He goes, you fool. Love is only, you know, a, something that'll achieve failure. Well, in fact, uh, a running theme with Kang is love. Like, what motivates him? Why Why does he continue to exist and do the things he does? Some of it is up for debate and depends on the plot he's involved in, but a very major theme that keeps repeating is his love for... Uh, Rovana or Ravana? Ravana. So she's a princess of a ruler of a dominion that Kang holds sway over, but because of his kind of, like, interest in her, he kind of lets that ruler do as he wishes. And, you know, uh, Ravana doesn't really want that much to do with him. But at a certain juncture some of his forces, some of his collected leaders that he does hold sway over decide yeah, you know what? We see a chink in his armor. Hey, look at this look, look at this fool loving some girl. Let's, let's try to overthrow him. And so they try to murder him and, well, Ravana, surprising she jumps in, in the way and is murdered, right? She, she takes the bullet uh, showing that she does have some affection for him. And so that's his love story. His, uh, the idea that he, he should chase her through time or try to resurrect her or, or, or have a union with her is something that does come back, I think, again and again in his kind of plot arcs. Uh, I know that in, when they redefined the character in a more modern age sense, they showed that he, every defeat he's ever had was actually... Uh, so when Kang does something in the past or the future, any timeline that's not his own, he creates that variant. That's right. And he does that on purpose, so then there's the outcome where he wins. So with so many Kangs, he can't possibly be truly defeated, and he is more successful than not. Exactly. So every time in the comics when the Avengers shoot him off or he left, uh, there is eventually an issue where they go, we've defeated you before. And he goes, you've never defeated me. Right. I've only left so then the breach can be made where you are decimated. And he keeps saying, look, I've killed you over and over, right? And now I get to kill you again. Uh, he just loves killing the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, he does show the Apocalypse Twins his trophy room 
where he he has variants of like the Iron Mans and the and the Captain Americas and every like Magneto and Doctor Doom's all their different costumes they've had throughout the year. He's he's and they said you killed all of them because every one of them has died by my hand. It's amazing, and that's the other thing is that like in a way there he is some some kind of crossover or similarities to to Black Adam for me because he does go back in time and have like an Egyptian timeline where he's Ramatat and and what he's truly after is is finding the ultimate sources of power so that he can be as successful in in his singular timeline and yeah he's after apocalypse right he's like oh there there will be a child right actually there will be twins and so his idea of of just finding the most opportune place and time to be to employ the most powerful beings is an interesting thing you never know when he's going to show up and like kidnap your your butt if you're very powerful right yeah and he's also uh they showed that in the earlier stages of of kang he has a device that's able to make a perfect copy of heroes and villains right so take a whole squad of dark uh, affinity avengers or oh, there was a particular I'm trying to think of the crime fighting team that he did actually unleash upon itself it was like the marvel version of the justice league what were they called they had like a goofy name i can't remember one of them even kind of looked like Hawkman. I'm trying to remember what they were called. Anyway, he did that. He's like, hey, check it out. I got this. I got the bad guy versions of you. Have fun. And apparently uh, this is able to strengthen them tenfold as well. Like Amazing. you can make them even powerful. But like in, his, in the, the new origin they have him, when he goes after this dinosaur and the love life uh, that he falls in love with, Kang goes absolutely not. He drags young Nathaniel Richard impressionably out with a gun and destroys the entire civilization killing her as well leaving uh now that at this point kang's end of his career he gets drunk passes out and the young guy steals his armor and leaves and he lands in uh egypt by accident where you see the current moon knight fighting the war against what do you call the ramatat ramatat no kidding and he's helping uh, the Moon Knight take him down because he wants to defeat Kang. He doesn't want to become Kang. Yeah. And this whole story plot is showing that you can't change history. So as he goes through this transition, he ultimately loses to his older self and then goes to Apocalypse and joins him because that's what the war that's happening right now. Right. So if he can't enlist the younger version of himself who denies his destiny, yeah. uh, he will defeat him and then go find the Apocalypse. Exactly. Yeah. So he joins Apocalypse, makes him uh, become Crimson Sentry. Oh, the Crimson Centurion. And they uh, he takes that, he literally takes out that younger version. They send him to the future where he first fights the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And he kills, quote-unquote, Prime Kang. And he decides that instead of being this heartless conqueror, he's going to go for love. But he loses. Every time he finds her reborn in another timeline, she gets killed. So he writes her name in history, and an infinite number of her are created. And every one of them turns him down until finally the last one, quote-unquote last one, calls him a monster for doing this to her. Of course. Right? So he's now the adult version of him. He goes back in time to when he was a little kid, thinking he would do things differently. And ultimately does the same path as it starts. But this time, when he gets drunk, he goes to sleep where the little version of him goes to steal his armor. He wasn't actually drunk. He needed to break the cycle of love. Right. So he, so he let the young version go chase the love that he can't have. And then he goes, finally, I've relinquished this need for love. 
and he hits a button and a spare suit appears and he lets the dinosaurs get destroyed by the meteor and he goes now Kang can conquer and he leaves so the whole origin story is that he was trying to get out of the cycle of being a, a young foolish heartbroken fool yes and he goes I can't he goes you can't escape time he goes but I ain't I have created a paradox where where I am still chasing this love but I am free of it so the younger version thinks he's, you know, doing it differently, but he's following the exact same steps and he will eventually lead to the same version of him where you get Kang Prime, who is now able to conquer uh, free of his chain of love because he said, I'm only human. Ha. It just occurs to me this episode might be completely unlistenable. Like, it's just like, it's such a difficult thing to try to discuss. What brings Kang to the forefront? He's been brought into the Marvel Universe, right? The cinematic Marvel Universe has, has showed him first initially in the TV uh, series Loki on Disney Plus where he appears in the finale of season one as he who remains. In fact, when asked his name, he's not very forthcoming. And the Kang that appears there seems mild and uh, amused and almost like a benevolent Kang. I mean, from the things he says and the way he says them, you can tell that he's very powerful, very intelligent and, and clearly a threat. But he is not Kang the Merciless, or Kang the Worst, or Kang the Conqueringist. He is definitely a version of Kang that maybe has seen has seen it all. But then we have the Ant-Man and Wasp film. What is it? The oh gosh, Quantum into the Quantum Maniacal Multiverse. What, are the, what, what is the name of this? Into film? the Quantum Realm or something like that? Quantum Leap? No, that's a movie. And there, <laughs> and there, Kang is truly presented as his bad self. But he's, he's Kang, the bad mofo. The bad mamma jam. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's really interesting for me is to see that actor play that same character as two different people. The, the, the versatility of the actor in those two uh, contrasting roles of the same Kang, the, but different Kangs, is really interesting to me. And to have him potentially be the next big bad, like the next Thanos, the next, yeah, the next threat for, for the Avengers... Uh, and other Marvel superheroes is very exciting. Like, I really like this character. It'll be interesting to see what aspects of the writing and timelines from the comics that they do employ or, or don't. Uh, it's going to be... I think it's going to be a wild ride. It's hard for me to picture Kang doing anything in the Marvel Universe without having our Chris Evans Captain America and our and our friggin' Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark. Sure. Like, because they're just like, they're the stars. Like, we got the second generation, mm -hmm. but it almost feels unfortunate that we don't get to see them because when Kang shows up, it's, you know, Steve Rogers, Captain America, and Tony Stark. I mean, I'm happy that there's a second generation. Yeah. I just feel a little robbed that we're not going to get, like, the core Avengers meeting Kang. I'll tell you what I want, and this is, like, crazy talk, but give me a Kang versus... Captain Carter. Give me the what if variant universe where Steve never gets the juice. Like, give me Peggy on steroids versus Kang. Give me Squirrel Girl. Give me Ms. Marvel. Give me give me all the strong ladies against Kang. Give me Kang. Wonder Man. Yeah. I want to see him. Right? So, like, just seeing them in Thor Love and Thunder, the uh, some of the, the variations and the alternate heroes, I would love to see Kang go up against someone other than What's the television series they did as an extension of the Captain America saga? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that that's all going to intersect and it'll be, it'll be great. But if you're going to bring in Kang, go crazy. So that's my thought. I just want to see an awesome moment of Thor and Loki reuniting. Thor thinks Loki's dead. I mean, obviously the Loki that died is not the same 
Loki that Thor knows because this one got picked out of right out of Avengers 1. He just was given the knowledge of the one that had passed. So, I mean, I, I, that's the, the hard argument between the, the variants is like, is there an original? Are they all just, are they just the same? I think for fan service purposes, it's it's bound to happen. I think it would be very sat, very satisfying thing. But maybe uh, Loki will be the hero that, that everyone least expects. Well, of course. He'll be like, I am Kang. <laughs> Thor's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you trickster, you. You trickster, you. And here's where we get into characters and their their use as a as a like a plot device or a writing crutch in some cases. Kang is either the laziest idea in the history of writing, or dot dot dot. He can't be. They've written so much interesting and complex stuff. Like, I don't feel like they've used him. They've used him very effectively. You know, the Rick and Morty television program. There's a shot of a box, a cardboard box, on a shelf in Rick's lab that is just labeled something like time travel crap, right? Because they don't, they're like, we're not going to do that, right? Everybody else does that. It's, it's, a, it's, it's lame and lazy. We're, we're not going to touch it. Uh, but then, as homage to Kang, they've got a council of Ricks. So it, it's interesting to see those writers give a nod and an homage to what might be the craziest, laziest time travel gimmick ever, but because there's so much wrapped up in Kang and they've done so much interesting stuff, I mean, there's no laziness to it. They've been very busy, right? There's, <laughs> there's like, there's a lot of innovation and ingenuity in what they've done with Kang. So I hope that travels to the big screen. Well, it's just gonna be wild, like just to see, like when we learn of him, obviously the comic fans are like, oh damn, Kang's coming. But like, you don't see much of his, even when in the Loki show, you just see, like he said, he's very laid back. And he's, he's like, he's like, I am bored and I want to see some chaos. Yeah, he's like super understated. So anybody who's not familiar with the character might be completely confused. Like, who's this kind of lackadaisical dude who's just like sitting behind a desk for half a conversation? I'm just really curious to see like what's going to happen. How's it gonna happen? When's it gonna happen? Because especially with like the end, of, like with Endgame, when they did the tra time travel thing, it's gonna be since Kang's doing the traveling and not the heroes. Hopefully, we don't get a bunch of stupid time traveling taking up all our time in the movie because like it loses its flavor. Like time travel's like a hard sell because the second you undo anything, it, it the task became meaningless. Because if, if at the end of it, it's just a time reset, then it's like, well, you could have skipped that movie and just put that in the credits. <laughs> Kang showed up, they 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 beat him, they fixed the timeline. <laughs> because there's, there's also, like, the Fantastic Four. Like, the only thing I could think of is, like, it'd be fantastically amazing if Kang won and they just signed the treaty claiming that he conquered them. <laughs> you mentioned the Fantastic Four, and wouldn't it be nice if they could somehow pull them out of the mire and muck of the Hollywood-ism that they've been kind of like churned through and reinvent them with Kang here somehow. Bring them in. There are a couple of elements of Kang that I really want to see on screen. And I really do want the love story aspect. I really do. Like, for me, that's one of the more important and interesting aspects of him. I can feel more for that character because of it. The other element that I'd really like to see is Kang versus Kang. Right? Where he either... Where, where some version of himself tries to either defeat or persuade himself. Like, I, I really, I like the idea that he might interfere with himself. What would you like to see? I think I'd almost prefer to see him get defeated 
Like when they, whenever they do their Avengers six or seven or whatever the heck it's going to be, and Kang shows up and they, whatever he's doing, his invasion, and they defeat him. I think I want that to seem like a grand defeat, but I'd like to see a follow-up movie that drops relatively soon after of that redefined Kang origin where you see that it's a life cycle. Marvel movies are becoming almost flavorless because there's so much they're dropping, mm-hmm. and it's different. It's not aging like the comics are. Like people didn't get bored and stop reading the comics when when books were being released. You had different genres and everything going on. Right now, when movies come out, you get like one movie that's not a superhero movie, and then everything else is superhero. Yeah. So I think they should just end it off with Kang just conquers and decimates. Leave us alone for I don't know. Give us five. 10 years of them doing other background stuff. Oh. And then and then give us the the new wave. Sure. Give us the Wonder Man. Give us the, you know, give us a, uh, maybe Moon Knight. Because that there's certain characters, the mantle gets passed on or a completely new avatar is picked. Yes. Like, I just think we need this reset. I think we need a, a well-earned break. Maybe focus, get the new generation interested. Put money into your animated side. Get the kids reinvested. Yes. Give them 10 years. Okay, they're 10 years old. You got the action figure lines coming. Boom. Now the movies are coming out. They're in their 20s. You get the second hero wave. Chris, I'm sending this podcast directly to Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just we just need a break. I need We need some original movies coming out. Like I said, I'm hey, I'm in the bu- I'm in the business. I got I got two comic books that are kind of heroy. We're we're working on it. We need to enjoy it again. Yeah. That's all I need to say about that. And Kang is an opportunity. I have already come up with a rating for Kang. It's pi times the square of negative 10. <laughs> yeah, I hate him too. You suck, Kang. <laughs> well, uh, uh, all I can say is however the numbers come out, they're infinitely interesting. But he is some kind of challenge as a character. Yeah, this was a very difficult one to even speak of because there's too much and not enough. No, I think if I have to rate Kang, right now I'm going to leave it up in the air as a thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, yes. I'm in the middle. It depends what what they do with him in the movie. True. Because if, if they can actually give us this well-earned rest, like an actual well-earned rest, I think that he's a fantastic character. If they can do it properly. Game of Thrones it. Just axe everybody. <laughs> and you don't even have to axe him. You just let Kang conquer. Just flip the switch. If they can do that, I think he'll be not only a great character, but one of the best. If you want to entertain them, leave them wanting more. I think we've done. I, I got nothing else I can say. You can say. <laughs> <laughs> what can you say about it? <laughs> oh, nice, right? Uh, obviously, everyone knows the fantastic Christopher Bernard here. I have the Legend of Creature uh, issue one and two are out. We're working on getting that website worked and dropped but until then you can follow for more at the crispy comics on instagram facebook that's kris.bcomics shout out to everyone we met at iex i I don't remember if we mentioned them last podcast yes the our con folk we're like the crew of band of misfits trying to take people's money yeah it was great to (laughs) great to see everyone in charlottetown uh, prince edward island and uh do you have another con coming up that you want to mention yet oh that's right uh i'll be at the moncton comic-con or uh east East Coast Con, I believe they call it. East Coast Expo in uh, in Moncton at the, their convention center. Nice. In June. Sweet. I believe it's June 11th. Maybe it isn't. It's in June. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Kang will change it. Yeah, Kang will, Kang will keep you up to date. <laughs> Until next time, this has been The Crucible Guy. <laughs>